Welcome to Pioneer Spotlight, the podcast that uncovers the innovations driving our future forward. In today's episode, we're joined by Sebastian from Eon One. We're diving deep into the transformative world of the energy transition, a crucial shift that's defined our modern era. We're pleased to have Sebastian with us today, and he's going to tell us about a company that's actively shaping our future and the energy transition. Eon One specializes in creating business-to-business energy products that are not only innovative, but also pivotal for navigating the future of our energy needs. Throughout this episode, we'll dive into the challenges and successes behind Eon One's offerings. Excellent. So thank you so much for joining us, Sebastian. Welcome to this week's episode of Pioneer Spotlight. We're very excited to have you on. A good, really good place to start ultimately is just introduce yourself. Yeah, hello. I'm Sebastian. I'm a Vice President Products at Eon One. Uh, more or less uh, up to 15 years in product management. I worked 11 years for uh, a company uh, which was uh, heavily involved in airline business and tourism. And uh, from 2019, I started at Innogy, which becomes also part of Eon uh, with, with Emerger. Fantastic. So how, how many years have you been in the energy market for then? Um, I would say uh, from uh, I, I did a lot of things uh, beforehand, also in terms of uh, my interest uh, in EV charging and so on. But actually, I started the job with with uh, the uh, move to energy in to, at the beginning of 2019. So uh, I would say more or less uh, a little bit around about uh, four and a half years and some some months. Fantastic. And in terms of product, then for those listeners that are listening that don't understand what what product is break, break that down for us what exactly does your job uh, entail my job and uh, the, the role of my team is uh, to find products or ideas uh, with, with within the energy sector where we can build products by our own so uh, eon run uh, one uh, based product uh, but we are also looking uh, in terms of uh, what our scale ups like Envelio, Gritix and uh, the others are doing and how we can maybe combine ideas or solutions together. And we are also looking for all the uh, digital solutions which came out, out of uh, E.ON. Because E.ON is a very large enterprise and therefore a lot of ideas are uh, built there. But um, a lot of people are also have the same problems that we have on E.ON side. So uh, we try to leverage also for the external market to assist solutions. Fantastic. So that, that kind of brings us into a really good segue, which is who are E.ON 1 and how do they differ to E.ON? Because I imagine many people listening to us today are probably well aware of E.ON. I think they're in most countries across Europe, right? And even internationally. Uh, we know them, or I know them personally, as a big a big energy company. But what what who is Eon One? So Eon One, it's uh, basically uh, founded um, last year in 2022, and uh, we are um, especially have the the focus to. Uh, provide solutions for uh, technology solutions for the energy transition in, in the market. So it was a decision of E.ON also to have something very unique for this and also uh, something where we can uh, also combine all the power that we get with all the scale-ups and startups that E.ON also is collaborating with. Interesting. So would, would you describe yourselves as like an, an incubator or are you a daughter company of, of E.ON? We are a daughter company of E.ON. We are not an incubator in terms like incubators are outside. So we are not uh, not founding uh, something or having something like a startup program on our side. So we are more focused on already um, um, existing scale ups or startups on uh, who has done already the first step and are more on the way to scale up their business and uh, wants to collaborate with us 
where E.ON has a big interest also to get new ideas, new technologies inside. Fantastic. And in terms of your products then, where are the, where are the, where's the current portfolio kind of geared towards? What types of products are E.ON 1 currently developing? So uh, currently we are focusing on three areas, which is uh, grid operations, uh, grid um, uh, monitoring and uh, energy monitoring. So we have uh, solutions uh, who could help you to uh, to um, extend or uh, to uh, have a better uh, view on your grid business in terms of uh, management software, which we have, uh, and also in, in planning software, which we uh, also could deliver. And on the other side, everything in terms of uh, energy management, heating consumption, energy consumption, and so on. Because uh, what we have seen, especially in, in terms of energy transition, is if you want to change something, you have to see what's going on. So therefore, we have a lot of solutions which, which could also uh, provide a lot of data and insights regarding your energy consumption. Yeah, nice. And we'll get into that in a second. I'm, I'm really keen to, to hear your opinion on kind of the energy transition and where we currently are. I mean, my ambition in today's call is to really understand kind of where we're heading to over the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years or whatever. But Eon One have caused a bit of a storm recently because you guys have been growing quite rapidly from what I can see. I mean, I'm very much enhanced in the, in the clean technology space. And all of a sudden, I see the Eon One brand coming through. And, and I think you've made a number of acquisitions recently as well, right, Sebastian? That's right. Uh, we uh, One of our last acquisitions is Elwa, which is a, a company who has a very, very good um, EV charging app, where we also uh, try to um, foster the collaboration with uh, already existing uh, solutions in E.ON. But uh, for us, uh, especially EV charging, uh, it's also one of the cornerstones, especially in terms of energy transition. Fantastic. And and you mentioned there that Eon also has some products internally as well. Is the idea that Eon will, will give all these kind of energy products to Eon One or, or is Eon One there more just to develop these fresher new ideas with these startups that you've you've maybe acquired? Um, uh, both. Um, on, on the one hand, we are also looking internally on solutions which we could uh, maybe uh, scale up to for, to the external market. But we are we are not currently uh, not focusing on big enterprise solutions. We are looking for smaller solutions which could be bring to the market very very uh, quick. So um, if we find something within Eon and colleagues also from inside of Eon are contacting us, we are the right uh, partner also to to bring something internally outside to the market. So we're ke ke keeping up with sales, marketing, contracting stuff and so on. Nice. And, and do you find that speed is, is also an element of this? Are you able to build products faster when you're in this kind of smaller, more nimble, agile environment? I would say it's not only about speed in terms of that we could build things uh, faster, but we have all the needed ingredients on our side. So we have a known product and engineering team. We have a known uh, sales and marketing team. So you don't have to collaborate with so many parties to find the right way to come out with a solution. So you have everything in one hand on one side, which makes things easier and by the end also faster. Fantastic. And it sounds, it sounds like you guys are doing something really incredible. Did you, what, 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 what was it that made you personally want to join kind of this energy market then? Cause you mentioned that you come from, from the airline business and you mentioned a couple of other industries. What was it that really attracted you to this particular market? 
especially for me, it was uh, the the bright uh, outlook that you have in the future, because uh, there's a lot of things are ongoing on the energy market. And as you have so many possibilities to do things, also to change maybe the world by the end with small solutions, because uh, what, what uh, we have seen is we are uh, still on the way. I think uh, energy transition is going on for at least one decade, but uh, we, are, we are still, uh, I would say, at the beginning. We have to digitalize very, very heavy uh, on this side due to the fact that it wasn't done in the past years. So uh, now it's everything It's popping up. It's EV charging, it's PV power uh, plants. You have a very big trend in terms of decentralization and so on. And I think, um, especially in terms of product management, you have a lot of possibilities to build new products with a lot of very, very uh, good people because uh, what I also um, have seen, a lot of people are trying to get into this uh, business due to the fact that there are so many possibilities. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where, you know, we're seeing a lot of people currently, definitely after the pandemic, are now wanting to apply their skills to do something really positive, positive. But also, like you mentioned there, the opportunities are kind of endless. We have so many different areas of the energy transition that we need people quickly to apply their skills there. But I think that's a really good segue into kind of defining the energy transition because not everyone listening to this, Sebastian, will understand what the energy transition is. So when when you mention energy transition or centralized, decentralized energy networks and things like this, what does it mean to you? I, I would say it's especially the, the trend that you have that everybody could be not only a consumer, could be a, somehow a prosumer, especially in terms of PV. Uh, you, you see a lot of uh, PV um, um, equipment is currently available. You have all these um, in Germany, these Balkonkraftwerke, where you can have your own power plant at the terrace and so on. So it's quite easy to get to be a prosumer, not only to consume uh, energy. So you had a a very huge trend in terms of uh, of decentralization, and you also have all the the uh, trends in terms of an um, EV charging. So everybody, uh, it's uh, by the end has his own gas station, uh, to, so to say, uh, at home, and uh, everybody uh, could also uh, or have different um, capabilities now in terms of uh, energy consumption. Everything is changing. You have also the trends that uh, a lot of people are changing um, heating systems towards heat pumps from oil and gas. So uh, there's a lot of things are ongoing and it's especially in terms of the energy crisis from uh, the last year, it's getting uh, much faster now. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point because I think a lot of people that I've interviewed on this podcast, but also speaking to, to candidates, also speaking to hiring managers and people and just friends in general, you know, people over the past 12 months have struggled to pay their energy bills. And I think that people are now wanting a different solution. They're wanting to do something positive, but also they want to reduce their energy consumption. Do you feel like it's it's definitely achievable to, to have prosumers, as you called them? I think you referred to them as people like this. Is, is that possible? And, and how far away are we from this kind of ecosystem? Well, it's actually uh, already getting. So a lot of people already changed the systems. It's even still very, very um, uh, expensive for a lot of people. And uh, I think uh, the, the uh, big mass will come. It's, we are even not there. But uh, it's not only in terms of, uh, of, of money to have control how, how much you have to pay for something. It's also uh, the, the, it's a very, very big wish to have somehow also 
um, the, the, the production or the uh, amount of energy that you can produce and consume uh, in your hands. So we see also a lot of, um, of uh, customer interest to get management solutions for energy consumption, not only to, to save something, also to, to see, okay, what's actually going on with my energy consumption? Where can, can I optimize things? Where can I do maybe things better in this way and so on? So it's, and you already have uh, also the big wish to, to make everything green, greener. Yeah, it's like an underlining thing, right? There's lots of many benefits, but also in the end, we're also doing something positive for, for the environment, moving away from fossil fuels, which is the aim that we all should be be striving for. I guess the, the question that I have for you there is, do you think consumers want to have more control over their, their consumption and they want to have more understanding of where their energy comes from and how much they've used? Is that is that a trend that you're you're kind of seeing? Because I think one topic that's been discussed on here before is this smart tariff where consumers can have a different rate during the day. Uh, and when they have this smart tariff, it means that then they can see in more detail kind of their energy consumption, where the, the energy is coming from. Do consumers, do consumers look for this? I would say for sure. So what we see, it's actually a very, very huge trend in terms of transparency already to get uh, and where where all, all these power is going, uh, which I consume uh, currently. And in the in the end, or more consumers are also um, um, wants to know uh, which kind of energy it is. Is it real green or uh, what kind of uh, energy I'm really consuming at the end? So uh, there are also a lot of uh, startups and um, companies are uh, now popping up in terms of uh, how we can manage these, maybe also to, to have an optimization in terms of energy consumption with all these flexible tariffs and so on. So uh, I, I see a, a, a huge trend in uh, getting to know what actually energy is. By the end, we have uh, in, in Germany. It, I would I would say a lot of people start some years ago in terms of uh, electricity, but now it's also you have all these these um, in a much faster speed on uh, heating consumption. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a there's a huge a huge trend that we're also seeing with heat source pumps, right? And and um, we're obviously stopping the manufacture of boilers and and, and gas boilers and oil boilers um, soon, and obviously. The drive now is is heat source pumps, and I guess people will want to understand where their energy consumption is coming from, particularly when we have a lot more sophisticated uh, electricity uh, requirements in our home. Because the, the the new home in let's say a couple of years' time will have an electric heat source pump, electric vehicle charger, hopefully a solar panel roof for it, as an example, and batteries in their garage as uh, potentially. So. Will consumers need a product to manage all of these things together? And if so, what do you have to offer yet on this? It's not only by, by B2C consumers, because I'm, I'm already a, a quite good example for it, because I, last year I get a PV installation on my roof. I also got a heat pump. I also have a, a, a wall box now and so on. So and what I have seen, it's uh, currently you have different systems to maintain, to have a 
more or less uh, general overview of, uh, about everything. What we see uh, people have, uh, especially in terms of B2B customers, which have more than one facility uh, to, to maintain, you have a lot of uh, demand to have something like a combined solution where you can see uh, these trends uh, over more than one building and so on. In these terms, we have with Optimum, something which is uh, already working quite well in the UK market, a product for energy management, which we are also adapting uh, now uh, quite good for the German market, uh, also with hardware, where we can uh, also have this retro retrofitting of all the old systems due to the fact that we don't have the ability to have everybody ha don't have a smart meter. And it's it's getting more worse in terms of heating because there's a more older system in the market. So you need something where you can retrofit all these solutions to get the data from this uh, and also to steer. But what we actually see a lot, a lot of potentials already um, uh, could be uh, could be um, leveraged uh, when when you have uh, already a transparent view what you're actually consuming. So it's not about uh, having everything new in your building, but but if you see what you're actually doing with, in terms of heating, energy consumption, and so on, people are already changing behavior, which is I would say one of the biggest biggest uh, wheels that you can turn uh, to 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 get towards uh, safe energy. Yeah, and I think that's also important, right? Because one thing that we've always discussed on this podcast is you can't control when the wind blows and we can't control when the sun shines. So in the future, we won't have, well, we should still have on-demand energy. However, that energy could be coming from our battery storage facility in our garage. It could be coming from our PV panel on the roof, or it could be coming in from external sources from the grid. Uh, and I think that change in mentality is going to be really, really vital to educate people on their energy consumption, because realistically, we do need to use less. However, our needs seem to be increasing because we'll have an electric vehicle and we'll also have a, a power, like a powered uh, battery storage station in, in our garage potentially as well. I, I would say it's not only about uh, consuming less, it's also uh, in terms of consuming smarter so that uh, you uh, not only... Uh, so. In, in former times, nobody takes care when energy was uh, consumption, when the energy consumption uh, take place. So now people are, uh, as, as you say, with all these uh, these um, possibilities of flexible terrace, you also have the possibility there, okay, when I will start the dishwasher, the washing machine and so on. I already have this on my side because uh, I, I start off all of this uh, due to the fact in the day because of the PV production on my roof. This is when you do all your washing during the day. <laughs> Most of the, the electronic um, um, equipment that you can get from the market now has all these possibilities in terms of IoT and so on that you can program it. You don't have to be at home to start dishwasher and so on. But uh, you, you are getting, I, I would say the first step, it's not only to, to consume less, it's also to consume smarter. And do you worry about simplicity at all? And what I mean by that is, I think right now, if I'm a consumer, there's a, a PV panel uh, firm being kind of uh, sold to me via Instagram. There's another one on Facebook. There's 20 pamphlets in the in the mail room downstairs, right? And and it it can look quite con confusing for the consumer because I think consumers just want to be able to turn on the you know the switch and it just work. Do you, do you worry about simplicity from from a consumer perspective? 
I think a lot of consumers also need somehow guidance or wants to have somehow guidance. They don't. Uh, they are very interesting in uh, consuming less, consuming smarter, but uh, it's it's quite hard even for people uh, to do it, do do everything on their own. So you also need solutions where you have somehow these guided mecha mechanisms which uh, maybe uh, do all this stuff, especially in terms of like uh, solutions from uh, from one of our scale-ups, Gridx. Which has uh, with with the Gridx box uh, also these uh, these intelligence charging solutions where you can uh, charge uh, if you have uh, more than one um, PV uh, EV charger for cars where you have somehow a, a, an intelligent solution behind it which is taking care how this energy will spend when and so on so that you have um, um, a better um, consumption um, curve at the end over over the day with all of this. But it's it's you, for for sure you are right. It's quite hard for the consumers or for the for the customers to have these uh, managed by their own. So you need a lot of smart solutions which are uh, are uh, running on maybe uh, a lot of AI stuff currently. AI is one of the biggest buzzwords, but uh, in in smaller brackets, it's already uh, applied to a lot of solutions where you have um, algorithms behind this which could uh, also manage these stuff also for the consumers. Interesting. That sounds good. And you mentioned GridX there with the wall boxes as an example. And you also mentioned, um, you know, some potential smart um, software behind the, the, the EVs or the, or the charges, for example, to really understand the, you know, the usage and things like this. In terms of... Um, in terms of products that you currently have on offer then, what, what products are more focused towards the B2C market, would you say, versus B2B? We're actually doing um, most of uh, the business that what we are doing is B2B business, but uh, at the end, uh, B2B, our B2B customers need it for their end customers, which IHC, Intelligent Heat Control, we have a solution which is focusing uh, on heat consumption, especially to retrofit old boilers where you can... Um, can manage uh, or have a better uh, management of, uh, of of your heat consumption in terms of gas uh, uh, district heating and uh, oil, where you can say uh, save up to thirty percent of your uh, heating consumption, which makes things uh, quite easy. And it's also there is software behind this, and you don't have it to uh, to do it uh, manually. It's done by the software, which makes things even very very easy for the customers. And, and describing Eon One, then, would you describe yourselves as a technology business, or are you an energy business? I would say it's uh, it's. Um, I would say we we are a technology business for sure, but we are also somehow con a consulting business. Okay, interesting. Because uh, also in terms of uh, solutions, what we are seeing, we are also um, trying to help our customers, which which packages of solutions that we could offer make sense for you or. Do we see anything which we could build for you? We don't do custom software development, but uh, at the end, a lot of customers, especially in the phase of energy transition where we currently have the same problems. So we also try to get uh, these uh, in, in terms of implementing a software where we could also with all the knowledge and all the uh, examples that we have already seen, uh, how our software is used and our uh, hardware also, um, we, we, we could do also somehow these uh, this consulting business to help customers to find the right way to use our technology and to implement our technology. 
And a discussion that I've had a few times on, on, on these calls is sometimes compatibility is a big problem for companies like yourselves, where whether you're in the consultancy business or the, the product building business, do you believe, and when I say compatibility, by the way, what I mean by that is a hardware box, which is full of your software or a cloud system, as an example, communicating with a, with a PV uh, product or a battery storage product or a wall box, for example, do you believe that there should be some standardized middleware or connection or framework between these uh, different vendors? Because you obviously have SMA Solar, you have loads of different proprietary kind of PV manufacturers. Do you think they should standardize the way that we can connect together? I would love to have more standardized interface, especially uh, for hardware devices. So uh, we, we already have this challenge always that we try in, in the management solutions that we already have that we integrate also our software. I think there are a lot of, uh, of solutions on the market which have their own standards, which makes things complicated, especially in terms of implementing towards the customers. But what we actually seen, um, we, we are trying to build also technology on our side, which is more or less um, um, technology agnostic towards uh, the solution which uh, uh, they're using. Especially IHC, it's an intelligent heat control. It's a quite good example. We, we at the end, we don't care uh, if, if the boiler where we connect it is from Fisman, from Roderos, from Weiland or anything else. It works with everything due to the fact that we see customers don't want to have custom solutions for every every uh, already existing technology on their side. So we try to be as technology agnostic on our sides, but we also have the wish that uh, on the uh, on the other side, if there were more standards on the market, it also makes easier for us to build new solutions. Yeah, for sure. Because I think that's been an argument with a lot of kind of smart home appliances where you see, I don't know if you have smart lights or for, uh, or smart blind, for example, some of them have this Zigbee connector. Some of them are from Matter. Some of them have, you know, all different sorts of connectivity. And I think if you purchase a smart lamp from Philip Hue, as an example, it doesn't work with the Alexa. So it's a very similar problem where, and I think reading you know i've looked into purchasing these products before and this is why i know this was compatibility was just a, an absolute nightmare working out that your you know a certain you know google home assistant didn't connect with this and this and this it became a, a huge problem and i think that's when google apple and facebook i believe i think it was or google and apple came together and they standardized the way that smart homes are now connecting with one another so we can improve compatibility between products so I guess that's something that you are wishing for right now, something similar in a way. Yeah, for sure. What we're actually seeing, it's, uh, there are, uh, it's what business are raising. You at, at the end, uh, somehow the, the uh, technology um, providers, which are doing all the stuff in terms of the management software, and on the other side, the technology providers who provide the hardware and so on. And now in the middle, you always have someone who is doing all the connection work, which is also a business uh, and uh, which, which works currently quite well due to the fact that they are missing standards. But yeah, I already have seen so many solutions with different uh, interfaces, standards, and so on. So um, I, I would say half of the markets has, uh, you have solutions where they have all, always these custom standards, which they are using, which are not uh, comparable to something else, which makes things very, very uh, complicated in terms of integration to already existing software. 
well, maybe you could be the person to lobby to all these big technology and manufacturing businesses and hardware businesses that this is what we're going to do in the future. Maybe you could be the one to, to drive that. I don't want to say lobbying, but we are trying to influence in terms of uh, if we are building good solutions, which are uh, quite good adapted by the market, I think this always uh, also is a benefit for for other manufacturers to build something towards our solutions, to have somehow a standard which works already with uh, what, what we actually have in our portfolio. And, and where do you kind of see you know our energy consumption moving forward in the next five, 10 years? You know, we're seeing more electric vehicles versus internal combustion engines what's your what's your thoughts and opinions over the next you know five ten years i would say we will have a dramatic increase especially in terms of energy consumption due to the fact that uh, we are switching solutions so if you uh, turn off all the gas and oil boilers in terms of heating you will automatically have a very huge increase in terms of uh, uh, heating energy consumption at, at the end so um, yes it's more efficient yes it's it's somehow greener but it raises the actual amount of energy that you have to produce currently so uh, i would i would say that it's uh, the curve it will will have a, a very very huge um, upwards trend uh, now uh, in terms of uh, what we have to produce and, and what we want to consume but uh, I, I would say uh, there will be also a very, very huge trend in this decentralized energy production. So I think PV is one of the top topics currently. I know personally um, some of the solar scalers and, and every time when I um, talk to them, they say and we have so many uh, customers and we have a lot of work to do now. You have this unicorn with uh, 1,5 in Germany, which is uh, popping, uh, popping up. NPAL, it's also growing very, very fast. So you see uh, there's a huge demand on the market in terms of producing energy via uh, these decentralized systems. I think there will be an, a, a lot of new technology and stuff within the next five years popping up, especially in terms of storage and energy production. Yeah, and that's a point that I wanted to make on this, um, you know, this this podcast was to actually talk to you a bit, a bit more about storage whilst we have some some time remaining. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to know, did, did you say you personally have a storage facility in, in your home? Do you have a battery storage? Business? I have, I have, yeah. So you have how how do you find it in terms of it, it works quite good and it uh, takes um, uh, most of the energy so especially in, i would say in the in the last months where we have a lot of sunshine i don't have to consume any energy from the from the uh, stadtwerke here from the municipalities cause because uh, I have a, a lot of energy production on uh, on the roof so I have a very big storage in the uh, cellar so it works quite well most of the storage solutions came uh, directly from the PV scale, uh, scalers, which provides uh, also this solution. So I, I think uh, that it's, it's also hard for end customers to judge if the solution is good or not. So uh, there, there are a, a lot of uh, un, not, not, not given transparency currently on the market. And it's quite hard to get equipment so that's that's uh, by the end something uh, what we also say uh, especially in terms of getting hardware or storage hardware uh, it's even quite hard currently yeah i was going to ask you that like what is what is the biggest challenge then of of energy storage on a on a consumer level i, w I would say it's currently it's price 
uh, cost. It's even still very, very expensive, but prices are dropping. I see uh, it, it, they raise uh, last year when, when we have these crises and everybody wants to have some our storage prices go up. But what you actually see is prices are dropping dramatically. Three. You see uh, a lot of uh, solutions are coming out. Uh, a lot of new companies are popping up, which provide solutions. And I think especially in terms of storage, there will be a, a very, very um, big price drop in the next, I would say, two to three years. Is that due to increased production or, or is it just economies of scale in, in some ways, do you, do you imagine? Yeah, I, I would say it's definitely economy of scale. So you have a huge dem demand. A lot of people see now the, uh, the, uh, the, the possibility to make money in this. And uh, if you have a lot of uh, solutions which are available in the market, prices are automatically dropping. And I think uh, hopefully we will see also somehow a new technology which is arising where storage uh, will be also getting better in terms of uh, of um, of the amount of energy that you can store by the end. Yeah, I guess that's also the one of the biggest challenges as well, which is how, how can, can can we store enough? Like, how, if you don't mind me asking, how how long does your battery store your home for or, or power your home for? It would it depends always on the uh, on, on the consumption on my side, but uh, actually it's it, it takes also with the heat pump. And um, if if you have a good day and storage is full, uh, it takes more somehow uh, more than one day uh, you, you keep uh, the house running with the storage so which which is quite good so yeah it's a serious it's a serious time right i mean if if energy is super expensive the next day and there's no wind or power i mean you have a, a full day of not free energy but 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 more or less uh, energy stored in your batteries which is which is the way to go i guess the biggest challenge though is some homes can't have batteries you know in in germany in the uk and major cities we don't have the ability to have storage facilities local to us in our in our garages if you if you live in a, a flat for example so do you, do you believe that the Stadtwerker or the local the um, grid operators are, are thinking about large scale scale storage solutions is that on a commercial level is that happening yet I see I see some projects um, popping up uh, but I think this is still far away and I think it also depends on uh, on the terms uh, how uh, how much the prices will drop due to the fact if you have something like a large storage facility, it's automatically it's very 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 expensive. So therefore, it's currently I would say not very uh, economic for for them to build something like this. There are some pilot projects where this is. Uh, and currently um, uh, already applying uh, to the market. But uh, I would say, um, especially in terms of uh, having something like these decentralized storage solutions, there will be, or I think this is one of the, uh, the opportunities you already have in the market. If you find somehow a good solution to have somehow these, uh, these storage, not for, for only for one house where you have something like district uh, storaging of energy, uh, then, uh, then yeah, yeah, then it uh, makes totally sense to to all already to find also a business. I think it's currently it's quite hard due to the prices that you have on storage equipment, but this could be um, uh, in the future something very very interesting. Yeah, and I guess batteries degrading is also not a, 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 a an interesting topic for them to to think about because everyone knows who has an iPhone, Android. The first year of your iPhone or your phone is fantastic, but the second year is a little less. Third year is even less. 
is it on these size of batteries or the or home storage solutions do we still see the same level of 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 lowering of of capacity yeah, I, I think this is uh, somehow also a chance because uh, what I have seen, especially in terms of projects, which uh, which uh, these battery storages from uh, municipalities, they are often using uh, old um, uh, EV uh, batteries from electrical cars. So you have something like a reuse on uh, on uh, equipment, which was uh, formerly used in cars that you can use also for storage because it's even uh, e- enough uh, capacity for for storage on it so that you maybe have something like a, a second life for these batteries, which could be. But we also see a lot of, um, of um, technology um, uh, or money. It's, it's floating into the uh, um, the um, the R&D part of, uh, especially of batteries, so that a lot of people are investing in this sector. And I think, especially in terms of technology, there's also a, 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 a something uh, where you could could see a lot of improvements in the next years. Yeah, we actually see we we actually have a um, a guest on next week who is coming from the Second Life Battery uh, ecosystem, and they've they've developed a proprietary software and solution to dissemble you know used EV batteries basically, and they are producing home storage solutions with them. I think their challenge right now is the fact that they can't get access to enough batteries, but also dismantling batteries is extremely dangerous. Uh, and, and quite and quite difficult to do, you know. Battery recycling is is always a challenge and always has been a challenge. I mean, I was watching a, a YouTube video this morning on a company called LifeCycle. I think they're based in in California in, in North America, and and they are now currently recycling batteries because I believe around ninety percent of a lithium ion battery is completely recyclable, and there's obviously some serious pressure met, met, uh, precious metals in there as well, which we need access to. So what's kind of your thoughts then to sign off the podcast? Where where do you feel like we're heading to? But also, what how do you feel about the progress that we're currently making now? And, and final thoughts, what do you think that we can do as consumers, as businesses to make quicker advancements? I, I think we are on a good way, but we are still too slow. So uh, I think uh, there, there must be much more invested in this sector. I, I, we see a, a, a huge push um, based on the energy crisis that we have. A lot of people are now very aware in terms of uh, energy consumption, in terms of the energy transition. And now it's not only in, in terms of uh, which may, would be nicer from my point of view in terms of the environmental part. It's also on the uh, economical part now. And this all, all already raised treasure in finding new solutions. I think we are getting better. We are getting even faster. And now I think we are also get more industrialized in, in terms of producing new solutions. So it was uh, on, on a lot of um, projects to see these pilots. Now we are also getting in this. It's not only a pilot. It's a real solution which are provided to the market. And uh, also companies adapting these solutions. Uh, companies are very interesting in getting all these solutions uh, up and running on on, on their uh, on their buildings, on their factories, and so on. So I think we are, we are getting up with speed. We are still too slow, but uh, I wish uh, I, I personally will have this wish that we could much faster find more solutions. But as I'm I'm convinced that uh, we are on the right way. 
Sebastian. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really, really enjoyed the call together. And if anyone wants to get in contact with you, where, where is the best way? I would say it's uh, uh, you can do it via the Eon One website. It's one.eon.com uh, or uh, via LinkedIn. You can find me under Sebastian Oramek uh, there. So it's quite easy to get in contact with me. Fantastic. And we'll link everything in the show notes below. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Thank you very much. Thank you.